Well, don't worry. Today's episode of TOEFOP is coming right up. And you also don't have to worry about data with Telstra because if you switch to Telstra, you get 25 gigs for $30 with your first three recharges on Telstra's prepaid mobile. Each to use in Australia within 28 days. Oh, phew. That's all you've got to say. After I deliver all that amazing news, you just say phew? Yeah, well, that was mostly a few of you getting through that. <laughs> this is like take 10. <laughs> we'll be honest with you. I mean, if there's something you have to worry about, it's me doing an ad read. Yeah, you guys listen to the podcast here this for the first time but that few was not about this deal this excellent deal from Telstra thanks for being on board Telstra it was just that Charlie was able to read all the things <laughs> just remember your first recharge is by the 29th of March and the remaining recharges are by the 31st of May 2021 you enjoy it all on Australia's best 4G network Telstra grab a sim card in store or buy online at telstra.com slash prepaid oh excellent nailed it first time Charlie wink <laughs> Now, here's the show. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Oh, man, what a week. What a week. Okay, well, let's jump in then. Okay, I need to get your advice, because I think I did the right thing, but I'm not sure. It's rare that you need to get my advice. You just need to run it by me. I need to You're run it by you. not actually looking for my advice. Well, it's too late now anyway. What's done is done. Well. Uh, Terrible time to ask me for advice. No, actually, in retrospect, the best time yeah. to ask me for advice when the damage has been already done. I don't know that there's necessarily damage done, but I'm just thinking, well, I'll just tell you the story. So, uh, Jim and I have been away for a couple of weeks, come back to our house. Saturday night, um, our new neighbours have moved in while we've been away. Uh, we know the owner of the house, but people, tenants who are renting from him have moved in. We haven't had a chance to meet them. Um, they have a dog. So, as we're putting Iona down to go to sleep, the dog starts like yapping in the backyard. It's like, okay, we'll just sort of, you know, maybe it's just because the lights are on and we're stomping around the house, all that kind of stuff. Yep, yep, yep. It's still going, going, going. Keeps waking Iona up. Jem's like, do I just text the owner and get them to let the tenants know that the dog's barking? And I said, well, it's early. Let's just sort of see what happens. Gets later and later. The dog is, it's not like a, it's maybe it's barking at possums, but it's a regular, uh, 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 uh. Is the dog inside the house or in the backyard? In the backyard. So Gemma was saying, I'll text the owner just to get in contact with the tenants to say, hey, maybe your dog's got out. Maybe it's stuck outside. Maybe there's a doggy door it doesn't know how to use. But bring the dog in. That's the kind of... New, new house. Don't know. The... Get the idea that the, like, the dog might be having some trouble adjusting. Mm-hmm. Um, just want to give you guys a head, heads up that here's what happened. And like I think... If the other people are reasonable, my, my gut is you don't want to go in too hard on these things. Okay. Because, That's oh. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> my gut is that you offer it very much as help for them. Right. Hey, you've moved, we, we're your neighbors. You moved into a place near us. We're 
previous, our, previous our dog daughter's owners ourselves. bedrooms on this side of the daughter's bed. No, be, keep in mind that we don't have access to the tenants, just the owner. So it would be a secondhand message. Right. We'd be texting him yeah, all that. But I'd be saying, well, no, it doesn't have to be all that then. If no, it no. has to be a text, here's what I'd text. Um, new neighbours have a dog. Just wanted to make them aware in case they didn't know that it was in the backyard barking all night last night. You know, we've been, we've been dog owners ourselves. We get we, it. We get it. Just wanted to let them know. And then the first way you've done it is just very much in a, we're helping out you. We get you new to the neighborhood. We're not going to get in a feud with our neighbors immediately. Like, because people, when they get come out as if they've done something wrong, always get a little defensive. Get their backs up. Yeah. About like the fact that they haven't, even if it is a reasonable point that you're making. So, um, you know, you're moving house as well. My, in my head, I'd be like, they're probably already in a heightened emotional state. You know, you are when you're moving house. It's one of the yep. toughest things to do. Like, it's been a stressful couple of weeks. You're finally in your new home. You're settling in. You're trying to look for reasons to love it. And then suddenly you're getting a complaint about your dog. You know, maybe they'd get their back up in that situation and not react positively to it. That that would be my gut take on just what I know so far. What you're not taking, that's correct. What you're not taking into account is also the heightened emotional state of the people who are hearing the barking, who potentially have had a daughter who's been sick, who they're finally back home, they wanted to have a good night's sleep. And maybe one of the partners is getting shitty yeah. that, you know, and maybe not, wanting to deliver a rational message it's like one of that. the times where you have to remember the the which i found is quite a good thing to live your life by which is do you want to be right or do you want to be effective <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's true sometimes you know there is a compulsion from yourself or someone else in the argument to just be right yeah they want to be right in the moment even by being right in that moment knowing it'll actually make it fucking Worse. harder in the long well time. i look i that's not i mean Gemma was the one who's getting angry and I, that's probably unfair to her she wasn't being irrationally angry she just wanted to get it taken care of and so i was saying to her look it's only we've like, got a sick kid yeah your dog's barking all night our priority at the moment is our child. Yeah. And yes, we want to get it done. And still framing it in the same thing of like, maybe just let make them aware to come home and yeah. take the dog inside or something like that. But I always said to her, look, let's, it's 8.30. Let's just give it, you know, maybe the owners will come home. Like, you know, because we, uh, we saw that they, well, I saw when we drove in that they had like baby stuff. So they have, they have a kid as well. So oh. chances are okay, cool. they're not going to be out too late, right? Yeah. So but also, you know, probably more understanding of, the dilemma. Yeah. 100%. So it gets to 9.30, dog's still barking. And then I think 10 rolls around and Jen's like, now I feel weird about it's too late on a Saturday night to text the owner. Why did you make me not text the owner? Because <laughs> I thought that I rolled the dice that maybe the owners would come home and then we could just go talk to them about it. So then it gets to 11 o'clock, dog's still barking. Owner's asleep by now, but now Gemma's not sleeping. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go around there and just see if the dog's, you know, if there's something wrong, it's paws caught and something. So get the torch and because it's, you know, where we live now, like when you go out to your neighbours, you need a torch because there's not a lot of like street lights or anything like that. So immediately I look like a potential burglar. You put on your black hoodie. Yeah. Your balaclava. That's right. <laughs> I made sure that I looked like, I've bought the, I put on the whitest t-shirt I had and like my board <laughs> shorts. So I looked anything but like a burglar. So I go around, I go to the front door. They're clearly not home, but I do all the things of knocking on the door, ring the doorbell. You know, I try not to shine the light in their living room window to scare them or anything like that. Clearly they're not home. So I give it 
you know, all that stuff, then decide, okay, it's time to go check on the dog. So I got the side of their house and there is like a, a, a sort of like a head high fence and the dog is on the other side. So I lift myself up and look down. It's a little like a terrier dog, Scottish terrier or something like that. Not in any distress, like it doesn't seem to be injured or anything, just okay. scared and in the dark. So I'm looking at this dog and it wags its tail when it sees me. And so I'm sort of like saying, you know, trying to calm it down. And so I lean over and I can just read the number on the collar. So I, I take down the number. I go back home, call it, phone switched off, not even a message bank. Oh, one of those voice to text things. And I'm like, oh, fuck it. I need, because I need this stuff I need to say. I don't want it to get cut off. Or... So I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. So I send a text to the number. What? The numbers, like, yeah, imagine if you just left. Like you'd started saying what you wanted to say. Yeah, and it gets cut off. Text things, and yeah. just I'm imagining somebody turning on their phone to ten messages from you, just like this constant, <laughs> incomprehensible. Like us doing cump fiction on two guys yeah. one cup. <laughs> is in a lot of different editions over a long period of time. So I uh, call the number, no answer. So then it's still barking. When I'm there, when I'm by the dog, mm. he's not barking. But then when I've gone back, so I go and set a gem. Look. uh, I think the dog's just been left outside and it's a new place and it's just upset and it's probably just going to keep doing this because, you know, yeah. it wants it wants its parent, its, its owners to come home. So I said, do you think I can go get the dog and bring it into the house? And Jem said, yeah, I think you can do that. And, and I said, like, but I'll be going into their property. I've got to yeah. get over their fence to yeah. do that. Let me frame this another way. Do you think I can steal the dog? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, do, and so... I was you like, think Look. I can break and enter into their property and then abduct their dog. And so I was like, all right, I'll just, I'll just frame it this way. The dog seemed distressed. I didn't know why. I've taken it to the house because it might have been injured or something like that. I couldn't examine it in the backyard with no light or anything like that. So I go around, jump the fence, get the dog, climb back over, and it's really wrapped that I'm there. Like his name's Ralph. He's a really good dog, very friendly. Bring him into the house make sure he's got some water and, you know, a little bit of food. He seems very house trained, very, don't have to worry. He's not some kind of like, you know, crazy dog or anything like that. So then I say to Jem, well, we don't want him going upstairs in the house because you've got fleas or something that'll get into the carpet. So I'll stay down here in the kind of basement area with the dog, set up a little bed for the dog and I'm going to sleep next to the dog just to make sure. So I'm going to babysit this dog overnight so he doesn't run upstairs. These people are like, what neighbourhood have we moved Oh, fucking it? hell, like totally. We went away for one night, the next door neighbours slept with our dog. <laughs> so dog's good dog. He has, I let him have a sniff around. He gets comfortable with the space. You know, I pull, the, pull out a nice little blanket, make a little bed for him, put his water there. And I lie down on the couch and he's, he goes to jump on the couch. I'm like, no, buddy, like, I don't know you, I don't know you well enough. You can sleep on the rug. Curls up on the rug, goes to sleep. Sleeps the whole night. Perfect. Doesn't bark. Doesn't wake up. So the next morning, Iona comes down and she's wrapped. Like she went to bed and there was comes no dog. Puppy? Yeah. <laughs> she comes down and there's a dog. And, she, and Ralph likes her. He's licking her feet. They're making a giggle. She's, you know, very friendly, good, obviously, trained dog. And then I say to Jem, all right, should I go take the dog back? <laughs> like throw it back over the fence. Did you leave a note? No, I didn't leave a note. Oh, so you literally did just steal their dog? I just stole, stole their dog, yeah. I just, I mean, it was by the time I stole it. See, it was, I would have left a note. I would have written, stuck left, it to the front door. I would have stuck the note to the front door before I jumped over their fence to steal their dog. Yeah. Because I, I would want my, 
I wouldn't remember. Well, I, because with knowing my luck, I'd jump over the fence, break my ankle, and <laughs> just find me on the ground, half eaten by Ralph. She's hitting you with a cricket bat, the wife. Um, yeah, I didn't think of that. I, I assumed because I'd sent the text that they would have an explanation. Oh, you sent a text to. Sorry, I missed yeah. that when you were telling it. So In you fact, sent, I should you sent a text saying we've got your dog. Yeah, <laughs> I sent I sent newspaper clippings saying we've got your dog. In fact, it's funny because I. All right, let me just. This is the message I sent. Hi, this is your neighbour at blah blah blah. Yep. Your dog has been barking continuously since seven pm. Um, I have checked on him. He seems to be okay. However, he keeps waking up my daughter and we're finding it hard to sleep. Please let me know when you'll be returning home as I think he needs to be kept inside. That's a reasonable text. The little passive aggressive. The little passive aggressive. I was angry when I wrote it. Yeah. So that's actually probably the best result. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you should have added that. By the way, I'm real angry writing this. So even if it feels a bit passive aggressive, well, it can be a lot more I can't aggressive. remember the exact thought pattern that was going yeah. through my head, but I had imagined some scenario in which these people had just like, you know, left, not taking the proper care of their dog and left it outside. And I was angry at them for the dog barking. Yeah. I was irrational. So no, that. No, no, no. It's a long time. I would argue, and look, I'm, because I don't know how this story ends, but I would argue that. If you move into a new place, leaving your dog alone for that long without working out whether your dog's going to be okay with it is a bit irresponsible in regard to pet ownership. Like when we move to this new house and there's extra things like ticks or snakes or those sort of things, you have to make sure that you have a heightened awareness of, yeah, the first time we left the dogs here by themselves, like are they going to be okay? You know, like we checked back, like... That's it's a big do that. deal. That's actually well, when you know, have, being responsible and having an animal is about taking care of it. We never would leave. We'd only leave Junior outside if he had a way in. If we're going to be gone overnight, we he was not a outside dog. And the, by the looks of this fella, he wasn't like a blue heel or anything. Yeah, he was like, a, like an outside dog. No, and I was looking for a kennel mm. in the backyard and I couldn't see one, so I don't know. Uh, well, look, we'll get to. Yeah. We'll get to the 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 the, the third act. Uh, so I sent that initially before I went uh, after I checked on the dog when I got the the number off the collar. So then I go back and I steal the dog, and I get it all set up at our place. And I send a second text. Yeah. I say, "We have your dog. <laughs> We've so taken he- him into our home. <laughs> if you transfer one million, <laughs> yeah. Uh, We've taken him into our house and given him some water and a place to sleep." Let me know when you're on your way and I'll bring him home. Which I thought was a bit more yeah. conciliatory. Be great if the phone rang and it was just Liam Neeson voice. I have a particular set of skills. You now, have my dog. What, how would you feel if you got that te- the first text first? First one, I think that I would have been... A little shitty? Defensive. Yeah. Um, particularly considering that, you know, just assuming that there's some other shit going on in these people's lives, I would have been a bit defensive. Would you not that. have also thought, fuck, I've, also, I've moved into a new area... Like, I don't know. Eventually, but I just think you went in a little hot. A little hot. Not like, you know, you could still, you have it around your baby, but it wasn't completely cold or neutral. I think the aggressive bit is your dog's been barking, blah, blah, blah. That sounds a bit accusatory. Yes. And the other thing, um, the end where I say, uh, let me know when you'll be returning home because he needs to be taken inside. I think that there... The rest of it's fine, but I yeah. think they're the two ones where you can sense there's a shittiness. Yeah, the, and, and the minute you're telling them what they should be doing, yeah. there's a little bit of, okay, mate, 
You know what? So what? What would your response to that text be if you were away? Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Would would you write back? Uh, Immediately. Right. If yeah, if our I think again, like there's been times when you know our dogs have behaved badly in whatever manner, and it's I think it's my responsibility as like. But the but the accusatory accusatory element. It would shit me. Yeah, but you'd swallow it. Who's this fucker? Yeah. But at the same time, I would be my immediate thing would be to respond and say, "Oh, I'm so sorry. Here's our situation. We're so glad that you've got the dog. Thank you very much. Like, we're going to be home in half an hour. Um, Please. So you, you, yeah, we've just moved in. You wouldn't snipe back. What if Amy got the text? Oh no, 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 you'd be (laughs) fucked. Napalmed. One hundred percent. Half an hour late. Calling an airstrike. She's never coming warm. She's (laughs) never coming lukewarm. No, it'd be fucking all guns are blazing. Like yeah. Yeah, I think you and I in yeah. our respective relationships are the calming influence. Um, okay, but then the second text. So that you would have got that at uh, like eight, maybe, when did I send it? No, I sent that at 11 p.m. And then five minutes later, we've taken him into our house yeah. and giving him some water and a place to sleep. Let me know when you're on your way home and I'll bring him back. Yeah, great. Okay, that sounds okay. So you'd be smiley face at that one. Thumbs up. I mean, I think more than that. I think it's more requiring of more than a thumbs up. <laughs> would be my... Two? <laughs> yeah. And an okay. And a praise. Yeah. Hands praising. And weirdly enough, a picture of Tony Abbott with cool written <laughs> on his face. <laughs> um, okay. So next morning, everyone's awake. Everything's cool. He's a bit stinky. That's fine. Uh, we don't have dog food, so I have to like remember how to do that again. So cobbled together some, you know, rice and tuna and corn, which you seem to like. And then we have our sort of day to get on with. And it's like, oh, I don't really feel great about leaving this dog. Have you heard anything at this point? From nothing. And it's probably like 8.30. So what's your thinking at this time? Like, have you checked to see if there's any life next door? There's still no one's there. How's I mean, I'm starting to worry about them now. Yeah, right. What's going well, on I thought guys? it was unusual behavior as well. Yeah. Like that, I just, I don't know. I just, especially in the neighborhood we're in, because it's it's like a, like it's a little cul-de-sac, suburban cul-de-sac. It's very, people don't just leave dogs, barking dogs there. Like there's only 10 houses on the street. Everyone knows everyone. You know yeah, what I mean? You shouldn't be leaving your dog outside barking like overnight if you're not there. Yeah. I think there's, the explanation might be coming. Okay. Um, so... Uh, well, like, oh, she, so we have a morning routine after we feed Iona, we, you know, walk into town, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, I've got a fashion a fucking lead out of something. Like, and it's like, I don't have, we don't have any like animal products left in the house. And, and then it's like, oh, but maybe I could leave him. But then I'm like, oh, but if he pisses on the couch or something like that, then it's just going to suck. So thankfully did not have to make that choice because I hear a car arrive back. So I'm like, okay, Jem, the neighbors appear to be back. I'm going to return their dog. Um, so I go around and it's uh, a couple. Um, uh, uh, she's pregnant. Uh, they've got a little kid, a little boy, and, uh, and the husband. And so I, <laughs> you I, <laughs> I throw the dog you in his throw face. Throw the dog at her. <laughs> Start gut punching him. Uh, no, I'm very, very civil. Um, I realize that this is going to be an awkward yeah. first meeting, uh, particularly as I still haven't heard a response. So my assumption is he hasn't turned his phone on. Have you in any way old, considered it? Oh, he, so it's he, an old number. That's that's the thing that I... This is actually 
I, I went further than that. I was like, it's unusual that they would go out and they would not have a contact number on the dog in case. I mean, that's the whole reason a dog has a collar. So if something happens, you know, someone finds it, they can call you. And then I'm like, okay, how about this? His sister came to stay or her sister came to stay and left the dog there. They're not really dog people. It sort of threw their plans out. The sister's like, can you just mind, you know, Ralph, I'm going blah, blah, blah. And so they've left Ralph outside. They've gone about their business. The sister hasn't come to collect. And so, you know, have, anyway, that was my assumption why I hadn't heard from anyone. That wasn't the case. It was their dog, Ralph. Uh, so I make my way up their driveway and the look on the dad's face is like complete shock. And he immediately apologizes to me. He's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Did he get out? <laughs> Which is the obvious kind of uh, conclusion to draw from that when you see a complete stranger holding your dog. Um, and I said, no, no. I said, look. No. I broke into your house. I, I, I said, uh, look, I said, what's your, your mood at this stage? Oh, <laughs> uh, as in my, I'm cheery, okay, cheery, good, good neighbor, yeah. cheery disposition. Okay. Good. Like this is, this is, a, you know what it was? It was, Hey, you're going to, this is a funny story. Yeah. That's what this is. Yeah. I know this looks weird. Yeah. There's a logical explanation. It's a sitcom. It's a sitcom, like a monologue coming up. So I just say to him, look, um, you know, we got home about seven o'clock last night. And the dog was barking. We put our daughter down. The dog was, was still barking. I was just worried that there was something that had happened to it. I said, my wife and I are dog people. Our dog passed away a couple of years ago. I just went over to check on your dog. I said, look, I didn't, couldn't see anything was wrong with him. He didn't appear injured, but he did seem a little scared. And I said, I went back home, but he continued to bark. So I hope this is okay. I took him from your yard and took him into our house. And he just spent the night in our basement. He was fine. I fed him, gave him some water. Is that okay? They were so apologetic yeah. for what had happened. Yes. And they said that they had gotten sidetracked. They went to visit a friend, you know, across the border. And then, because she's so pregnant, she's you know, four weeks away from giving birth. She couldn't handle the drive back. So they decided to stay. They assumed the dog would be fine. I hear your dead dog and I raise you a pregnant woman. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, as soon as I saw her get out of the car, I'm like, uh, uh, there's okay. no way. Right. You know. I, I, yeah. and, but not that I was going to. I... By that stage, because Ralph, had, if Ralph had been an absolute fucking nightmare, yeah, but Ralph had been adorable. He'd been adorable yeah, and cute, and Iona, yeah, and you know what? I kind of, and I'm not lying when I say I'm a dog person. Like I love the fact that I have a dog next door that I have a relationship with now that I can get all the good stuff, all the good dog stuff that I don't have to fucking walk or clean up his shit or anything like that. That's a pretty good arrangement. Uh, so they apologize. Uh, they apologize. I say, look, it's not a big deal. I was more concerned about the dog. He seemed to be fine. You know, um, this is a really embarrassing way to introduce yourself to the neighbors, but I'm Charlie. And then Jem came out with Iona and we did all the nice neighborly things um, of, uh, you know, just how, how do you like the area? If you need anything, we're just next door, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Um, and then uh, I, I said, where have the messages? Gone? Yeah. I said, I sent you the uh, two messages last night and he was like, oh no. And then uh, as I said that, I realized the passive aggressive nature yeah. of the first text and I'm like, Oh shit! Maybe it's better he didn't get them. But then he pull out. He's pulling out his phone, and he start. And he's like, "No, no, I can't find." And I'm like, oh, "Phew!" Through some kind of technical, you know, disaster, he's not going to get my passive aggressive first message. And I was like, "Yeah, cool." And then he goes, "Ping!" Oh no, it's in my email. <laughs> it somehow had gone directly to his email, and I saw him read live <laughs> that first text. And he would have been all right though, because you're in an okay context then, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if he got that 
out of the context of having met you and everything being okay. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yes, it, but part, it wasn't so passive aggressive that first one that context is very important. And I think you had softened the context by the order that he receives it. You should be grateful that he got it after he met you rather than he got it before he met you because that could have just changed the nature. It would have changed the tone of it. I mean, yeah. but I, I could still detect a hint of it was, there was something. A change yeah. did. Well, you know what the thing is, though? He knows you're a man who doesn't fuck around. Yeah, I guess and that's all right. Kid, and they're about to have another kid. He's going to understand what it's like to, they're just about to go through, you know, two years of trying to get a baby to sleep. Trying to get a baby to sleep. So I think he will forget that very quickly and be very sympathetic to the, he, I, I think he'll reflect on, he might even keep that message. <laughs> and one night when he wants to tell the, the oh, other yeah. neighbors to go fuck themselves, <laughs> I just ate your dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny now because we've seen them uh, a, a few times and uh, it's very, it's very pleasant, but I, I, I somehow wonder if maybe I haven't permanently altered the relationship by that first interaction. It's fine, your neighbours. You but I'm also to, the guy you who... You don't need to be best friends. He needs to know that you've got some standards. But they, now so they know they... the piss out of you. They know that they... But they, they know listen. that you're a man who will kidnap their dog. Exactly. The <laughs> That's what I mean. He'll jump the fence and get into their backyard. Oh. Like it's kind of... Like in the area we live in, people, you know, people are very kind of blasé about, you know... Uh, personal space a little bit like you know there's a bit of an open door policy and you know i'm trying to adjust to that sense of community where i'm living now because i'm just not used to everyone knowing everyone's business and all wanting to hang out and be friends and stuff like that like it's i'm finding it you know not challenging but it's just like i i have to get over my preconceived notions of I'd like to let you know that there is another path <laughs> of complete still, isolation. You can still isolate yourself from people. You don't have, like. I mean, I understand you're in the middle of a community. It's very, it's different. Well, it's just I that am, you're going to see people every day. Yes. You know, I mean, you you'd have the same thing with your, with your local store, right? No, no. Oh, I mean, even this morning when I went to Mullumbimby to, um, I had a little couple of missions that I had to accomplish this morning, and one of them was to go and pick up my medicinal cannabis from the Mullumbimby post office, and I was there just like they open at 8.30 and to get my other errands done, I had to get my hair cut at 10 and I had to like do a few other things in between. So, and I'm in the ute, which does not always start the first time. <laughs> so this is, it's quite a precarious trip that I've planned out and I've like built in contingencies for the ute not to start and all these sort of things. And so I'm outside the post office like five minutes before it opens, no one else around, which is absolutely great. And then they don't even bother opening the door the lady who works at the post office just comes out with my weed and go, you're Will, right? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> like, so the idea that you would have any sort of privacy around any aspect of your life is something that is, yes, it is. That's what being in a smaller community is about. Well, well it's weird, man, because it's almost like, I feel a little bit like I'm back in high school in the sense that, because everyone kind of knows each other and there's groups of friends, friends in the town I'm living in and, some of the groups cross over and others are sort of completely separate. Like for instance, when we introduced ourselves to the neighbors, so on our street, there's an, another set of neighbors. So on the other, they're jammed in between us and this other neighbors. And those other neighbors, are the mirror image of Gemma and I in terms of their age, they have a daughter the same age, you know, like I think he works in music or some creative field. It's very, very similar. And then going down the street about uh, five or six houses, there's another girl we met who works in fashion with our friend who runs basic 
So we had that link. They've got a kid about the same age. So there's four couples all living within close who all have the same things in common. Now, every parents have told me that the best thing when you become a parent is to meet other parents with kids the same age because you get together, kids play with each other and you can just like chill out. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Like I don't, I don't want new friends. I think I'm okay. But these ones have at least been tested out by some other fresh friendship groups. Like some mutuals have already agreed. Like they've already passed an audition process. Yeah. They're part of like our friend Mary Lou's friendship group, for example. You're yeah. like, well, Mary Lou has good friends. Yeah. I assume you I like her taste. friends with, like, I don't have, you don't, it's actually like you've got a consultant yeah. to come in and find you some, this will be perfect for you, Charlie. Like in Mary Lou's world, you'll get a little bit of fashion advice, you might get some free clothes, yeah, some music, like some, get some cool music, that sort of thing, you know, just sort of keep you a little You're bit right. And, you know, the kid will probably be pretty hip. Like, I own is probably going to be a hip kid. It'll be good for them to, like... Hang out. See, it's good. You've outsourced having to make your own friends. I suppose. The, the, it's, there's not it's a lot of thinking that has to be done. It's, it's real-life algorithmic thinking. If well, you how like do you... This, you might also like this. I only seem to make friends these days through work. Like, you know, it's either someone that I, I've, I've worked with or, you know, maybe something to do with a pod or, or something like that. That's my how my new friendships yeah. are made because that's how I'm meeting new people. And because I don't go to parties or anything, uh, like, I guess that is my only social interaction. Is the best way to meet someone through a person you already know? Like, yeah. Basically, but only, if you want to expand your friendship group, you've just got to go to your pre-existing friends and say, who are your friends? Here's what I'm looking for. Yeah. <laughs> do you have any friends who have two-year-old kids who happen to live in this region of Australia? And then just send that message out and you'll get a list, a short list of about eight or ten. Well, I feel like that has happened because then Timbo took us out with his mates who have been living up here for a while, again, all with kids, all around the same age, all in kind of, you know, sort of fields not dissimilar to ours. And... They have that. And so, but that's what I mean about being back in high school is I feel like, I don't know, this is going to sound so superficial, but it's like, well, I want the cool kids to like me. Like I want to be, I don't want to be the outcast. I don't want to be like, I don't want to be the loser, but I also am lazy. <laughs> yeah, but you don't have to be, again, this is like multi-level marketing. You don't need to be the person at all those things. You just have to have a good link to each of those. If yeah. you can identify eight communities and each of those communities might have eight people in them. Like, I'm, I don't know yeah. why that's the number, but just for the yeah, sake of argument, yeah. right? You only need one in each of those eight. I in, suppose. In fact, that's... The but best, you've got to pick the, the right person right. in that group. Because if you pick the, like, you know, for metaphorically the stinky kid. Right, someone who's going to get... The yeah. one, yeah, you know, yeah, then yeah. you get coloured. You know what it's like, yeah, you know. One, year, one day a year we let stinky bring someone. Yeah. yeah. You sit next... You get sat... The teacher sits you next to stinky kid yeah. and then, like, through no fault of your own, just or through the association... Kids, by the way. Like, normally the stinky kid is probably in some terrible situation where... Either they have some physiological thing that makes them stinky or some home situation that they're not being cared for properly. So in retrospect, let's not blame it on Stinky Kid either. Stinky Kid is also a victim in this story. Well, metaphorically, I'm yeah. saying, well, I'm saying more like you want to be patched in with the person that's going to give you the most value from the group. I understand that you were using a metaphor, but I just thought <laughs> it was worth Let's defend the imaginary Stinky Kid. Back on, yeah, imaginary Stinky Kid. Big pen. Even metaphorical Stinky Kid. <laughs> Should not be blamed. You're right. It's too hard on metaphorical stinky kid. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's, I feel like, because at some point I know there's going to be a get together. And when we were last in Sydney, we caught up with our other friends um, who have uh, a, a, a boy about a year older than Iona. And they are living on a street 
in the east sub- eastern suburbs of Sydney where, again, it's like five other couples, same demographic. And when we caught up with them, they had just come from a party with those couples and they were like, man, that was intense. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, like everyone had babies and stuff, so it was like party town. And, you know, they're, they can only party like maybe three nights of the year now. And so they were going hard like it was like pumping music and people would disappear in the bathroom and all this kind of shit was going on and they thought they'd just been invited over for drinks and some nibbles and stuff like that but it wasn't it was like just come out of our place and get fucked up and so that kind of scared me a little bit it's like oh okay i mean i guess that's going to happen from time to time but i'm just sort of i feel so out of practice with all that kind of stuff it's like oh if, if i make new friends are they gonna have a party and then i have to decide am i gonna go to the party and then if i go to the party do i have to like hang out (laughs) i've got like i talk to people all the time like and i just don't feel any desire to you know i've got plenty of friends that i don't pay enough attention to i don't really need any new friends i'm not auditioning for new friends but yeah some people come along every now and again that you just start to like even if you're not looking for a new friend like i yeah i would suggest that my hairdresser the dude that i've just been getting my haircut by over the last year he and i have now just seen each other enough regularly enough outside of haircut haircutting yeah but even just in like getting your haircut can be when you know the person and he often it's just me and him in the shop so you can just have a conversation about anything so you have this sort of once every two or three weeks you just go and have a half an hour conversation with somebody if you have something in common Mm. like i he's the sort of person i'd be like oh yeah i could easily be friends with you i was thinking it today because we were having just like a. I was like i felt good to go and catch up with him i had a really good conversation with him and so sometimes it just happens. Like, yeah. You know, but I'll tell you what, I fucking, when I went back to Sydney and did some shows, I hung out with some comedians. Yeah. And I forgot what it was like. Cause you've been around comedians when comedians mm. talk to each other. It is a complete other fucking pace of like, I felt like I'd been, you know, playing in the preseason cup in the footy. Oh, you're out of puff. Then, and I just stepped back in and, the conversation you blew up yes fucking flew around like it, it was great i got really juiced by it like yeah. i was actually sitting there going oh, i've missed this yeah this sharpened up great. the tip but i was like oh right yeah i forgot that one of the things that i like about comedy is the like i've been having a lot of conversations over the last year with a whole bunch of different people and it's been great but it's one-on-one but going to that just being in a room full of comedians where like the energy is bouncing around the room is just, you know, it's funny. Like, I think it's more, I, I think we're at a stage now where any kind of social interaction has a bit of that. Cause we have been more isolated, whether it's, you know, you know, uh, physical isolation or just mental because of COVID and everything like that. And for instance, today I was at a cafe with Jam and a couple of friends and then they left to go check out a market and this other couple sat down at the, it's a share table and I had just had like my second coffee for the morning and I just fucking talked to this couple like I'd done a line of coke. Like it was so funny. But what she asked me a question about, oh, you know, do you live here? And I went into the entire history of how we found the place, what I've done to the place since we moved up, blah, 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 blah. You know, this is a great area. That's a great area. And I just talked this woman's ear off for five. And I think it was because I just haven't, well, I was j- jacked up on caffeine, but I also been out of practice a little bit i actually like walked away from it feeling like my heart was racing and a bit out of breath because it just kind of like 
dumped all this conversation on a complete stranger. Yeah. Well, I guess it's kind of like you have a, there's a, I was out of practice talking to a stranger. Like talking to you or any of my friends about the same information would have been at a much more casual, easygoing pace. I think also combined with doing a lot of podcasts. So I think, you know, when I've been doing a lot of philosophy, you've been doing a lot of my club, you know, in particular where you are interviewing people. So you're having a conversation with somebody, but it's still an artificially constrained conversation. You're keeping the ball in the air. And you go into a normal conversation and you take that relentless, like... Inquiry. (laughs) Sense of inquiry. (laughs) Yeah, just like, but also feeling the space. Oh, yeah. You're like, I don't want these dead spots, whereas a natural (laughs) conversation can have... At one point I turned to no one and said, Mike, cut that out. Cut that out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, wait, let me tell you about my bin. <laughs> Squarespace.com. Um, yeah, it was so funny. Like I caught up with Jim the Marker and I was just laughing to myself. I said, that couple must have been like, shit, we sat at the wrong table. This dude is just giving us like a 10 minute spiel. But it was, I just felt out of practice talking to strangers. I think this is what this whole conversation is sort of leading me towards is I guess I've got a bit of social bit of social anxiety because I just haven't been exposed to talking to strangers I think for a that while. everybody will have. And I think that if we don't, I mean, I know there are states, you know, that um, didn't suffer from COVID in the same way as other states in Australia did. And obviously the Australian experience is pretty great compared to what it has been worldwide. So um, like where I have lived for the entirety of COVID, I've been lucky enough so far, I'm traveling a lot more now. So who knows? It might be in my future, but I've at no stage had to quarantine at this point. Like there was never a point anywhere that I was living was in like a lockdown or a shutdown. And I still have noticed how isolated it has been. And I am a person who like doesn't mind being a bit isolated. So it's got to have been for... I've been self-isolating for years. I have literally been (laughs) self-isolating for years. I haven't. I'm very social, but I just have like, you know, constructed ways that I achieve that, you know, that social aspect of my life. And then when I'm not doing that, I like to, you know, kind of just be quiet. And even for somebody like me, I have noticed, you know, the, if you want to call it social anxiety, but whatever it is. Now, I know there are, you know, genuine full-blown versions of social anxiety. Mm. So by even using that term, I don't think it's probably the right term to use, but whatever the right term is to use, Mm. just being in unfamiliar situations, going back to the city and seeing all those people. Like there has been times where I've had to check, you know, just how I'm feeling personally and go, this is not you. This is just you're in an environment that you're unused to. And Mm. you like in my first show back, you know, doing stand-up, the show itself was really great, but there was a moment of improv in the middle of the show that just was not, it wouldn't have been where it was if I'd been doing stand-up for three months. Yeah. And you're just like, yeah, you're out of practice. You mm. Like, and you can kind of plaster over it most of the time, but it's going to, you know, peak its way through in ways that are unexpected. And if we think, if we hold people to the standards that everyone has to come back out of this totally fine. fine then we are going to have even more problems than the problems that are going to come out of it because we are going to have to be so gentle and kind with people in so many different situations. Well, let's take a break from Tofop to talk about today's sponsor, DoorDash, the app that brings you the food you're craving right now. Oh, I am actually craving food right now. Well, let me ask you, Will. Do you want noodles? Yes. Vegetarian, of course. Do you want pizza? 
Yes. More vegetarian, vegetarian of course. And do you want ice cream? Yes. Vegetarian, vegetarian of course. Of course. <laughs> well, there's something for everyone, especially vegetarians, on DoorDash. DoorDash connects you with the restaurants you love right now and right to your door. They've teamed up with local and national restaurants like McDonald's, KFC and Nando's. And not just that, but you can also order grocery essentials from your local IGA and the reject shop. Well, I mean, it's good for me that they've got McDonald's, KFC and Nando's so I can get chips from each of those major <laughs> restaurant chains. But I do need some groceries. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat and your food will be left safely outside your door with a contactless delivery drop-off option. Let dinner come to you, Will, with DoorDash. Well, not just you, Will. Let, the, let dinner come to you, everyone, with DoorDash. Right now... <laughs> if your name is Will or regardless of you, your name is Will... Or you can just DoorDash some stuff to me if you also like that. Yeah, if you just like the idea of using DoorDash, but you're on a diet, send me some. If you want to send wheel chips from every major food chain. <laughs> <laughs> right now, our listeners can get $10 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $20 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code TOFOP. T-O-F-O-P. That's $10 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code Tofop. Don't forget that code Tofop for $10 off your first order with DoorDash. And I've said it three times, so if you do forget, I don't know what I'm going to do for you. I mean, seriously, guys, just rewind and listen again if you've already forgotten. And then go and see a doctor about your memory problems. Here's Tofop. Because we do not know what the long-lasting ramifications of this are. And I think that was never more clear than when I was in Melbourne last week. And I caught up with my family. And even just being on the streets of Melbourne, like going down Chapel Street and Brunswick Street, which were normally so like vibrant and retail was humming and it just did not have that vibe. And there's an apprehensiveness with each of my different family members, like three different catch-ups. And there's just a, something happened in that, you know, those, those two like severe lockdowns. And I think it's going to take a while. Like if in the Northern States, if you, if you, if you, you probably just can't imagine what it was like. I can't imagine. I think maybe I hadn't really contemplated, but then being down there and talking to people and I'm not trying to like, you know, it's probably sounds like I'm, I'm being a bit flippant, but I was just like, no, people are genuinely traumatized by it. Yeah. And I, th- and there's aftershocks. Like I think yeah. that are still being felt and will be felt for generations because, you know, when you think about the kids who missed years of school, the, People who miss their graduations will never get that back. Just in the way that you view the world, you know, you were told you were working towards these re- yeah, rewards, even though we know as adults it's all fucking bullshit. But as a kid, that's all part of like you get to year 12, you do your exams, mm. you get your formal and, you know, you go to schoolies. And what does it mean to those kids that they just won't get that? Because it's not like we're going to redo it mm. and they will redo something. There'll be something, but, yeah. But it won't be the same. Like, I mean, who knows is the real answer, right? Like, yeah. Who knows what it means to the grade two who spent a year like where they were meant to be around other kids all the time at home, you know, alone with their you know parents being homeschooled. Like, we just don't know. We're going we're gonna to have to be so invested in making sure that everybody is okay. It's ridiculous. I read a... Um an article about uh, because we will not be spoilers. The <laughs> uh, uh, children's development um, in the last twelve months, uh, especially around like Ione's age, yeah. um, they're seeing they're misdiagnosing a lot of things because kids are not talking as early as they normally do because they everyone's got masks on. They're not reading facial cues. They're not seeing how the mouth works and stuff. So you, it's uh, yeah, the, it's it's not going to just be 
you know, what's affecting us now, but like kids as well, when they grow up, like how that's going to manifest itself as they get older. Like you think about, you know, trauma is maybe not the right word, but I think about stuff that happened to me as a kid that I was completely unaware of until I was an adult, you know, that embedded itself on my, my subconscious, which, you know, has contributed to my worldview on some things or my behavior. And that only came through getting therapy, you know, sort of reaching a point where I was like, I've got to deal with this because it's inhibiting my ability to be, you know, like a good husband and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I imagine that, you know, there are some people who've gone through their whole life with nothing, but we live in a time now where everyone's gone through something. Oh yeah. One of the best things the government could have done is like, Hey, um, you know, we're giving you this money, but also everyone's getting free therapy. Like right now, That's a great idea. much like nurses and doctors, therapists are essential workers. If you need, a therapist even on the phone or whatever i mean i know that there would be more demand than there is resources for that but wouldn't it be good if they poured a bunch of resources into that i mean you know well you could s- clearly you can't I, well i think if someone is employed i mean most hr departments have offer counseling so there, there could be some i mean i don't think it's completely unreasonable to think that most people could be covered and then anyone who's not working would be covered under like, you know, public. I mean, you can, and also you can go to your GP and get a mental health plan and get. Yeah. But you you still have to pay, I think for therapy, don't you? Or is there free therapy? No, I think if you get a mental health plan, you can. Okay. Yeah. yeah, No, I I believe there are ways to do it, but, but almost not just providing it, or even if it is, Hey, we've already got these pre-existing systems, but here's a massive campaign around um, making you aware that these things exist advertising that like so much government advertising it's always like they spend all this money on government advertising and it's normally advertising for the people who are in government it's Mm. you know telling you what a great job the people in government are doing rather than being something that is actually for the people in a time like covid why weren't they spending their money on non-political advertising not just telling people to sneeze into the elbow but saying to people hey we already have this government program where you can access, you know, some counselling if you just go to your GP. But advertise that on fucking Married at First Sight. Mm. Let people know that we as a government acknowledge that what you're going through right now, all of us, because it might be, you might live in Queensland and have not really had a COVID-affected existence, but mm. you, your existence is still affected if you can't visit your grandma in Victoria. Maybe she's dying. Maybe you can't like, yeah. whatever. Like you can't, you know, dad lives in dad lives in Darwin, and the you know mum lives in you know Melbourne, and the kids you know can't go in between like they would normally do, or whatever it, you know it is. Those things still affect people in other states. You know, lost businesses because their businesses were affected by it, regardless. So, I mean, even in a country like ours, who have got through it like as good as you could possibly hope for, mm. really, there's going to be. generational like scars from this and I think that anyone who minimizes the world fucking shut down for a year Mm. like millions of people died but the fucking world shut down for a year yeah you know what's weird is um, I watched the first episode of Making Their Mark which is this AFL documentary series on Amazon and the first episode uh, is about the COVID shutdown happening and so they sort of step over the course of the episode like you see things getting worse and worse and it's like so compelling, but I feel like I blacked out a lot of that shit. It, like you watch it and it feels like something from a movie, like, you know, the movie Contagion is you're watching, they're playing news reports of like Italy is in turmoil, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, there's five days before the first round and then this is getting shut down. That's getting shut down. It's like, holy shit. Like 
yeah, it was fucking crazy. I think maybe that just in order to cope, I'd sort of forgotten or blacked out that part of or how scared we all were and how knowing what the fuck was going on in this documentary. Like all the players and staff are like, are we out of unemployed now? What happens? I think that you are super affected by the environment in which you live. And it's one of the most underrated. I think this year has shown it so much more than any other year is that your perspective on issues is so affected by the circumstances in which you live. And so in places where they weren't day-to-day being affected by them, I think you did. You like, intellectually, you understood that those things were happening, but your day-to-day existence was you were still going down the beach, there was mm. people at the beach, like life was kind of fine. You didn't really, and for us, I know for me, like I remember being in Adelaide it was a year ago. So basically, literally almost a year ago to the day because March 13th was the... Oh, a year ago to the day that we are recording this. So that was the day that they announced that the uh, Melbourne Comedy Festival was cancelled. And I still had two more shows to go, like the Saturday night and the Sunday night in Adelaide. And so I finished on the 15th. And But they announced it on the 13th. And I remember all us comedians just... That was... We were like, fuck, this is... We just been in Adelaide doing full shows in tents with everybody in the garden. You just couldn't. A, you're not reading the news as much as you ordinarily would be. But B, your environment is saying everything is absolutely fine. Surely, if everything wasn't fine, you'd see something. You'd see something. Mm. And then the comedy festival got cancelled, and then suddenly you're like, oh fuck, maybe things yeah things aren't that fine. I think it's also one of those things too where it's like it's such a big event. Like, you can't wrap your head around it. Like, it's so unprecedented. Like, the, the world was going to shut down. The world economy was going to shut down. Like, you have to take that in only through your prism because you couldn't... To try and comprehend what that meant worldwide seemed insane. I just remember Gem, Gemma and I... Gemma got particularly um, scared. I know, like, because we, when we did our exercise or allowed for an hour a day or whatever, she would just be see anyone coming near us would just like cross the street. And you know, that's when they didn't really know how it was transmitted or anything like that. But I just sort of had this kind of like the dumb fucking optimism that I always have, which is like, Oh, well, it'll, it'll turn around. Like, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll grab a hold of it. Won't be forever. Won't be forever. Won't be forever. And then that just never it happened. Was. It felt yeah. like it was forever. Yeah. And it's still going, of course. It's of course. Not, it's not over. And you know, there are mutations of it that we're seeing all over the world. And, you know, it might be a thing that like the flu we have to get vaccinated for every year. Like it yeah. might be one of those things that never actually Well, the idea away. that we, just we might wear, be wearing masks forever, like that's the other thing I was just, I was struck by. I was like, well, you know, there's parts of Asia that you go to and it's just commonplace when you go into like a public place that you wear a mask. It's like that might just be our future now. Like my airline travel might always require a mask. It's... I mean, it's got to change the world in some ways, but it is also interesting when you go to somewhere where they haven't had much of it to see how quickly things have reverted to pretty much normal. Yeah. So it's hard to tell which of those two ways it's still going to go. But I've got to say, I was absolutely wrong about it. Like, I just had that Australian. You said hydroxychloroquine, a bit of sunlight. You shine some sunlight up my bum, (laughs) it'll kill it. I just thought we'd be fine. It's a very privileged opinion to be able to have, which was, and the truth of it is that we kind of were, right? Like compared to the rest of the world. Comparatively, That Australian privilege of us being like a country that has a reasonable medical system, that we're an island, that we're a first world nation, that we're resource rich, that we have even our kind of 
right wing of our politics isn't without compassion when it comes to at least some of these things and there is enough people who believe that you should have compassion that they know that it's a bad bad politics for them to to not do it anyway um all those things were true but it was still a lot worse than i imagined i was very much like no it'll just be like a bowler or whatever and while that was terrible, it kill, it'll kill a lot of people in third world countries. It's not going to be a thing that ever affects our day-to-day life. Mm. The idea that... I remember when I first started losing work. I just didn't even really process it in... Like, because, you know, I'm very lucky regardless and I had a roof over my head and I was in circumstances where I could eat and all these sort of things. So there was just a part of me that was like, no, nah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. But, you know, as it goes on and you lose a year of work and your bills all keep coming and you suddenly start to go, oh, this is, this is hard. Mm. Like, I just thought it would, yeah, I was a bit like, I thought it would, you just, it, they got to a point where you're like, oh, right, <laughs> this is still going. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's even, like that show I'm, Supernatural. You're like, oh, wow. it's still 10 seasons. Fucking hell. It's <laughs> still going. Much like Grey's Anatomy, still killing off major cast members. <laughs> yeah, fucking hell. Still going all after all this time. Well, that's uh, the end of our COVID-versary episode <laughs> of Dofop. Well, do you want to get to some mail? Yes, let's do it. All right, well, we're going to get to some Patreon mail first because it's been so long since we've dipped into the mailbag. Uh, this, uh, look, I don't know where the last messages were. The Patreon, your fucking sorting system for your messages is terrible. I have no idea which is new, which is old, which is read, not unread. I'm just going to pick one and we're going to work from July 22nd. Let's give it a go. Well, let's start with, uh, yeah, we're going to start with July, Liz. Hang on, what? Uh, July 22nd, 2020. That's how oh, far behind yeah. we are. Seriously? Yeah. Well, that's not even, I mean, we may be, I think we might be May, but I've skipped through June because I just, I can't deal with this shit. Uh, <laughs> this is from Liz. To Colin Fop. By the way, uh, I have so many magnets to give away. Um, this has been a terribly inefficient way to get rid of them because we never get to the Patreon letters. So if you write us a letter to Patreon and it's the and you supply your address and we like it, we'll send you one or something like that. What are, is there a better way to give away those magnets? Probably. Oh, we'll think about it. This is from Liz. Two Colin Fop. Your Mark Jacko Jackson chat. Oh, God. Reminded me. Please go and check out, uh, though. Uh, Girl Band. Girl Band and their version of Mark Jacko Jackson's I'm an Individual to Rage Against the Machine. It is... And it remains to be the greatest thing that ever came out of this podcast. <laughs> and we had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Your Mark Jacko Jackson chat reminded me of a somewhat strange thing I was a part of during high school. For reasons I've never been quite sure of, about 15 of us were asked to come and sing I'm an Individual live on the Channel 9 Sean McAuliffe show. <laughs> I don't remember it being tied to any of the guests, which included a very young Delta, Ben Elton and George Gregan or particular events in the news. It was just us in our school uniforms singing a three-part harmony choral version choral version of that song. That's very McCarthy. I was going to say, I feel like for Sean, that's well and truly enough. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, the fact that it's not linked to anything else would be why he would think it was so amusing. I think the footage that went to air jumped between us and the film clip of him on the beach. But there's no evidence of it to be found online for me to refresh my memory. That's probably the best result for all of us, though. Anyway, thanks for bringing that memory back to me, but more importantly, thanks for years of entertainment. Good news to that correspondent, because mm. I believe that it is available. In fact, I have seen that very footage on oh, the really? internet. It was sent to me. It might have been featured on a very uh, funny 
uh, Twitter page called Aussie Kitsch. Oh, yeah, I love Aussie Kitsch. Really fucking great. Just yeah. consistently great um, Twitter feed. But I think it may have been featured. I, I might be getting that confused. But there is definitely evidence of that. I have seen that. It was sent to me. This is from Isaac. Hey, Will and Charlie. Have you seen the Netflix show Midnight Gospel? It's basically a cartoon animated by people who've taken way too many psychedelics while the dialogue is taken straight from the podcast starring comedian Duncan Trussell, where he interviews people who've taken way too many psychedelics. I have I seen like it. I like Duncan Trussell. I yep. have not seen this show, but I like Duncan Trussell. It's, you know what it is? It's good I'm doing other stuff because it's come from a podcast right. and the visuals are all trippy kind of, you know, animation. So it's the kind of thing that you don't have to necessarily be paying 100% attention to. Um, but yeah, I too love Duncan Trussell. Um, Isaac continues, it's completely bizarre and nonsensical and I recommend being highly medicated before attempting to watch it. I'm a Kiwi, but I live in Germany, so I won't write my address. I want my Patreon contribution to go to you guys, not just pay for postage to sticker packs for myself. Well, it'd be fridge magnets. Me too, mate. And I appreciate it. (laughs) I bloody appreciate it. Um, By the way, uh, we've sent out all the TOEFOP 12 posters uh, to our TOEFOP 12. Yes. Um, So if any of you guys don't receive it in the next, I don't know, I mean, some of them are going to Norway, some are going to the States. Like, how long postage take in these days? If you don't receive it by the end of the year. (laughs) If you don't receive it by the time we catch up on these Patreon letters. Uh, This is from Alana. Hi, Charlie. You're probably reading this, but it's a message for Will. Okay. Hey, Will. I heard on the podcast that you've been baking Mm -hmm. and thought you'd like to have a go at these cookies that Ness and I used to bring you. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's good. You don't need to read the rest of that out. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay, sure. All right. <laughs> Moving on. I'll tell you what, though. I have uh, great memories of those cookies. Uh, Richard, and not a lot of memories <laughs> following eating those cookies. Uh, Richard writing, quick question. I know Will kept the story of his arrest to himself so he could use it for his festival, but since then, has he ever shared it with his, us podcast listeners? I don't think I've ever missed an episode. No, nope, still monetizing it. Okay. Sorry, still taking it out on the road. I have rewritten the show, uh, speaking of the show, actually, mm. uh, when you're hearing this, uh, I've got some surprise shows in Adelaide in that they were surprised to me because a week ago I wasn't going to Adelaide, but um, another comedian, you know, we live in one of those worlds where sometimes people just can't get to their shows anymore for reasons of being in other places and I can get there. So Wednesday through Saturday, I will be doing Will Eagle. I will be telling the story of the uh, flight to Wagga Wagga and then on the Sunday night, I am doing my improvised What You Talking About Will show. So if you've seen Will Eagle already and you don't want to see it again, but I have rewritten it a bit. I have to get it down to 70 minutes and I've been working on it and it has been fun. Did it in Canberra the other night and uh, it was... At some stage, my hope is that I will record it, but I'd like to do another year of doing shows and keep working on it and then maybe record it in the future sometimes. Well, that sounds like a good reason to see it live. Uh, yeah, and the other thing I would say is I'm not sure that I'll be able to record it all. I don't know what the legalities around... Like, right. I mean, it's all true, and but there's some real people's names, and I don't know if there's some bits of the story that I wouldn't be able to film for legal reasons. So, yeah, if you want to see the whole thing, come say it live. Uh, Paul is the only one who supplied his dress, address so far, so I guess he's getting some magnets. <laughs> hey, guys, I love the pod. It gets me through the long days and nights driving trucks up and down the west of the country. Oh. You know what you can stick a magnet on? A bloody truck. Without you guys, I don't know how to do it. Here's a question. <laughs> if you could fuck, marry, or kill... Uh, any of the bat, uh, any of the Batman, who would it be? Would love a magnet and it would look so good inside of my truck. Um, P.S. What's going on with the TOEFOP 100 books? Are there still any available? No. Uh, but if you're at the $20 level, you would have had, uh, which no, you're not. 
But if you want to upgrade to the $20 level, you can get an autographed tour poster by Will and I. That's the current top level tier prize on Patreon. Actual tour poster. You only need to upgrade for a month. You'll get a, I'll, I'll see it on my feed and then I'll send you one and then you can go back to whatever you are paying before. Uh, so, fuck, Mary kill. Batman of the cinematic and TV Batman. Batman. And I guess you got to include Robert Pattinson in that. Oh, do He's you? dreamy. I mean, I have watched Tenet a lot recently, as people will know from the fact that I keep bringing it up, and he is amazing in that. Like, his performance is just so fantastic, and it's hard to go past him in that regard. I think... Mary. I think Mary Robert Pattinson. I feel like he would be... Interesting. I feel like he'd be a good person to be married to. I don't know why. Mm. I just there's something about it that it, that works. You, you fuck Christian Bale, you marry Robert Pattinson, and you kill the Batman. <laughs> <laughs> He's a symbol, Will. You can't kill the Batman. <laughs> you kill you kill that guy who dressed up as Batman in. The Dark Knight Rises. Well, I would... I'll start with a kill. I'll kill Adam West because he's already dead and that way I don't have to murder anyone. I I'll know, just... but I was like... I thought that too, but then I was like, no, you can't kill Adam West. Like, Well, can't you? He's already dead. Well, you can't kill someone who's already dead for a start. I mean, I don't want to kill any of them, but I guess I have to. Um, look, my favourite Batman is Michael Keaton, but that's more of a kind of childhood dream oh, thing. Maybe marry Michael Keaton. I don't know though. I, every time I see Michael Keaton on talk shows, I'm yeah. like, I think I like you as an actor, but I yeah. don't know that I'd like I to hang out with you. To. I don't know who I'd, George Clooney, I think I'd like to marry. Oh yeah, man, you're right. Because you take it Italy. Yeah, totally. Clooney's your marry. You'd hang out with Matt Damon and his other famous buddies, play poker, basketball, yeah. ride his pigs around. I'd have to get more into pranks, but I think I'd do it for George. <laughs> yeah, okay. Sorry. No, you've talked me around. Yeah. Marry George. George. I think marry George fuck our pats, marry George. And then, look, Val Kilmer's had a really rough time. Maybe I'll put him out of his misery. Mercy killing. <laughs> That's what we're saying. Yeah, that's a horrible thing to say. <laughs> no, no, um, no, it's me, Charlie well, the Green Dream Clawson. Uh, who's like, is there anyone who's been cancelled? Like, is there any Kevin Spacey? Did Kevin Spacey ever play Batman? I don't think there is a cancelled Batman. I hope that there isn't a cancelled Batman. I, like, I mean, I like Affleck. I think they're all okay. I mean, Ben Affleck is the most the most cancelable. Probably for Jigili or whatever that film. This is for bloody. I mean, he made a when you're in a lot of stuff for Harvey Weinstein where he might have been looking the other way. You know. All right, all right. Well, if we have to pick a reason, then that's okay. Yeah, I'm going to kill the Batman. Okay, back to our regular mail. Let's finish off with some regular non-Patreon supporters. But if you want to support us, how do people do that? Well, Patreon.com/slash/tofop is the place to go. There is so much stuff there. James Fosdyke comic book series. And Every week, Quantum Cop we're trying to do a weekly bonus episode as well. Bonus so. content. Uh, so much good stuff on the Patreon page. Patreon.com/slash/tofop. And uh, if you want to send us a regular email, you just go to tofop.com. And while you're there, check out some of our other great podcasts, including Philosophy. Who's on this week? Uh, so two episodes went up uh, last week, uh, Josh Earl and Marty Sheargold. And then, of course, uh, Kirsty Webeck. Uh, people will be hearing by the time that you can hear this. And it's the 200th episode uh, in a couple of weeks, 200th original episode of uh, Willosophy. So get involved. Yeah, there is a little survey that you can do online if you're listening to the show about, you know, your favorite episodes, your favorite guests, the, anything you might have learned from the podcast. And for the 200th episode, I'm going to do an episode where I go through 
some of that and you know just chat you know answer <laughs> don't don't get me involved because no, you won't get to them for another year no i'm going to essentially show how quickly and effectively you can answer <laughs> listener mail <laughs> that's so humiliating uh and thank you to everyone who tagged uh kirsty um or tagged me in kirsty's tweet she made a joke about you know in every apartment building there's one cranky guy who you know is concerned about the bins and i got about a million uh, retweets of that so Kirsty and i are now following each other on twitter so thanks for that little <laughs> hope it blossoms into a beautiful friendship yeah she's great she's really funny so it's a good episode of philosophy <laughs> faux fop of course and should we make a faux fop announcement or should we just wait until let's wait for okay, a bit we'll wait there's okay. a We'll tease. We've got some shit to sort We've out We've got a first. faux faux announcement coming. Coming up soon. Yes. Uh, this is from Scott. So, fellas, now that the world's opening up, <laughs> after we did a fucking very depressing half-hour COVID-aversary, COVID, COVID so, fellas, now that the world is opening up and Will is doing shows, are we going to get a live TOEFOP at the Melbourne Comedy Festival? I need this more than I'd like to admit. I think that we should do some live shows this year, but we're not doing the Comedy Festival, but... No, not possible this year, unfortunately. But I think we should. Yeah. It's been... Like, when was the last live show that we did? I think it was 2018. 2017 was Opera House, and I think we did one more. Did we do a comedy festival after the Opera House? Maybe the Opera House is our pinnacle. We went out on top. I can't I remember. I can't remember. I can't it, remember either. It was so long ago. So what I would say is um, we'd love to. We'd yeah. obviously love to get back and do some live shows. We have... It's got to be the demand for it, though. Like, it'd be like, you know, if we put those tickets on sale and we get like four. (laughs) I think, no, I think people would love to come and see. Can we take, can we take, can we get like a pre booking commitment so we know? I'm just fearful that none will turn up. So we're not going to (laughs) try? Yeah, that's, well, has this podcast taught you nothing? I don't like doing anything apart from stealing people's dogs. It's the only time I'm proactive. Uh, Will, there's a letter here from a guy you might know. His name's Elias. Uh, hi, Will and Charlie. I am 100% on board with you guys coming to Norway to do your podcast. There you go. People want live shows. The first one's going to be in Norway. He's on board. But I, my, my problem, I think, when I raised this, well, when you raised this originally, the idea of us going there for a podcast festival, my issue was not that Elias would listen. My issue was that people other than Elias would listen. Uh, well, Elias continues that it's actually his dad's main income now, having events at the farm. He has weddings and birthdays, etc. cetera. Um, so let's bankrupt that motherfucker by having a podcast festival that no one attends. Uh, Elias says, and the other listeners are also welcome. Or the other listener is also welcome. You fucking smart ass, Elias. No. I misread that. No, no, I think that Elias is honest. <laughs> uh, I think he's talking about our Norwegian Australian listener from last week who's yes. offering to go dig up the bones of uh, the biggest horse in Norway, which we have some more information on, Will, about the horse. I was talking with my dad about it and it turns out i misunderstood him oh it was the horse's fat brother that had died oh so the biggest horse in norway still there. is still alive Are you serious? <laughs> and you can come it's see one of him the greatest comebacks of all time <laughs> but we had that amazing artwork made by james fosdyke <laughs> he's risen from hell the resurrection he's of the back. biggest horse in norway i'm gonna start worshiping this horse <laughs> <laughs> he's risen from the dead this is praise him he is risen he is risen lo who do you worship the biggest horse Horse in all all of of norway Norway. didn't you he died and then a week later rose from the dead 
Are you I'll sure? I'll start finishing philosophy <laughs> episodes when I'm asking people what happens when we die. And then I'll be like, well, can I interest you in a story about the biggest horse in all of Norway? <laughs> in the name of the father, the son, and the biggest horse, horse in all of Norway. <laughs> in the name of the father, the fat brother, and the biggest horse in all of Norway. Uh, Elias says he's getting old. But my dad uh, reckons he's got a few good years left. And okay. that's fucking... We, there were tears rolling down the faces mm. of TOEFOP listeners all around the world at the news. This is an amazing twist. <laughs> I did not see this coming. That the, like, gone too soon was what I was thinking about the biggest... Yeah, we, we hardly just, knew you. We just got to know the biggest... You know what? It's actually made me better with the horses here where I live. So we yeah, have two right. horses. They're adjustment horses. So they belong to somebody else, but they live in our paddock. And uh, I've been left with a responsibility at the moment to feed them some hay. Not a big responsibility, by the way, but just that's my responsibility. I'm not normally the horse person. Amy handles the horses or the owners of the horses will just come over and, you know, do what they need to do, right? They're stables. They can all just happen by itself. But I'm in charge. At yep. the moment. And normally I'm a bit nervous around the horses, but I've been enjoying my horse time. And I honestly... Peace be with you. <laughs> do you say to the horse, you raise your hoof? Well, I think it has to do with the biggest horse in all of Norway. Yeah, I honestly think when I've been communing with these horses during the week, there's been this aspect of me going, I wasn't paying attention to these horses. And what if they, like the biggest horse in all of Norway, were you know, suddenly not here anymore? would I know enough about them to miss them properly? And yeah. so in this last week, I've really been forming a bond with these horses that has been totally inspired by my new Messiah and the person that I will follow forever and more, the biggest horse in all of Norway. So we still don't know his name, the nameless. He who shall not be named. He, yeah, well, that's what Because it's not, yeah. not, not like Harry Potter in and that it's so evil. Call him Yahweh. <laughs> Yahweh. 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 They wanted to call him Yahweh, but there was a copyright infringement. copyright infringement issue. And it turns out the church have a lot of money. Uh, so we still don't know the horse's name, but Elias says we could put a great event at the farm. I know some local punk and uh, punk and metal bands that could come play. I'm starting to love this festival because now it's a festival that combines people who are interested in seeing the biggest horses <laughs> of Norway, punk bands, or an Australian podcast. <laughs> this is suddenly... It's quite, quite an interesting event. Uh, people could see the horse and get a tour around the farm and the water, sli water slide, of course. It would be great. Oh, the water slide? Yeah. I, the oh sun. My God. <laughs> you were like poo-pooing this idea last week. Now you're on board. Well, now that I can see there's four stages, you can come and see a bit of the podcast. You can go and see the biggest horse. Maybe we can interview the biggest horse on the podcast. Maybe someone can go down the water slide. They can come be interviewed on the podcast. Someone can ride the biggest horse. They can come and like say what it was like to ride the biggest horse. Maybe we could get on the biggest horse. <laughs> do the show, show from on the, the biggest horse on in the all biggest of, horse. That'd be amazing. Oh yeah, that'd be great. So, what do we call the festival? Um, laugh till your horse. Oh, that's actually not too bad. I'm feeling a little horse. H horse of Palooza. <laughs> the big horse out. <laughs> horse Cella. <laughs> All right, we'll think of maybe if you've got a great name for our horse festival, yes. why don't you message us? Our you horse slash water slide, slide slash, slash punk, punk music slash podcast festival. <laughs> uh, there's one last uh, bit of mail here, Will, which is a, a bit involved. So why don't we palm this over to our, uh, our, our Patreon? What are you laughing at? Oh, God. 
I'm laughing at the idea that there is a small part of us that is like, maybe we could do this. I'm thinking we could. Like, if the borders opened up, if, if, if there was no COVID, which, you know, as we've hey discussed, guys, there is. going on your first trip overseas? Norway. Norway. To do what? Why? See the biggest horse, the biggest water slide, and a, the punkiest punk bands in all of Norway. We're going to do a podcast. Um, uh, yeah, so this is from Glenn. The, What's the name of the horse? We're not we're, sure. <laughs> how are you going to find it? Don't know. Don't know. I just assume you can see it from the airport. <laughs> do you speak the native language? Not a fucking word. <laughs> You're going to do the show in English or Norwegian? English. <laughs> Barely. Barely English, <laughs> as usual. Uh, this is from Glenn. Um, I'll give you the little tease, and then if you want to hear our deep dive on it, you're going to go over to our Patreon. So the subject is deep diving Dave Dobbins. Uh, to Colin, following Will advising of the musical genius of Dave Dobbin, I decided to give Slice of Heaven a listen and do a Wikipedia deep dive of my own. And while I was at it, uh, it led me to the Foot Rot Flats, where I then stumbled upon the tantalizing tidbit that was Foot Rot's flat theme park that opened in Auckland in 1986. Dubbed the Disneyland of the South Pacific, the park repurposed a driver learning course into a driver's town, taking up a majority of the space and featured a daily parade which featured guest appearances by Darth Vader for some reason. Perhaps surprising, the park closed after five years in 91. Um, following the rise and the fall of this particular slice of heaven, I want to know which comic strip book uh, uh, you would base a theme park on if you had the chance and you can read more about the park here. So we're going to read more about the park and give our answer on oh, our Patreon. Great. Okay, that's great. Great tease. Uh, so thank you for listening. Um, you can uh, yeah check out Tofop. There's a brand new uh, Two Guys, One Cup, My Club with... Ben... No, it's no. Uh, Charlie Pickering. Oh, great. Uh, it came out today, same day as this. Is that right? Wednesday? Is oh, well, around this. Anyway. Around that. Charlie Pickering or Ben Baker, but they're both really good. So you should. Uh, and there to will that. be a brand new season preview episode of Two Guys, Fuck One Cup right. because we did that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. We've got we so much shit regular, going on. We did our regular, we go through the coaches and the captains and see if we can remember who they are. <laughs> we actually did pretty well. Pretty well. Well, you did pretty well. I didn't guess. I just read the questions. Uh, but for now, I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. 